praise the Lord. So get your Bibles out this morning and go, if you would, to the book of Acts chapter 13. Now, I'm going to share something with you this morning, kind of kind of coming off of last week's message about David and Goliath. And so uh, <clears throat> if you may need to go back and watch that message and review a little bit on it. But anyway, you know, I've been telling you this whole thing that I, I, I've just kind of laughed at, at every every pastor, every prophet, every person that I see on the, uh, YouTube or anything like that, any message, people that I, I know that are good, solid ministers, everybody's saying the same thing. You know, they keep saying, uh, I don't know what God's doing, but, you know, he, he, he's going to be doing something. God's about to do something big, but I don't really know what it is. And he just keeps, you know, everybody has the same thing. Basically, we all feel like God's about to do something, but nobody knows what he's going to do. And so um, I'm going to share something with you that I think God's going to do. And uh, this morning, and this is, I'm not saying this is, is like I got a word or had a dream or had a vision or there's something in my spirit. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, God speaks to you in, if you're listening, he speaks to you in everything that's going on around you. And God speaks to you in terms that you can understand. Like there's no sense God trying to speak to me in astrophysics terms, right? Not even algebra terms, right? It's no sense. I'm not going to understand it. It's not going to come to me. I'm going to understand God speaking to me in just plain, simple things that I understand. And so, you know, with this, this cold going on everywhere, and, uh, you know, I, I, I begin to kind of panic and begin to run around, and I begin to look at all the water lines that I've laid over the last, you know, I don't know how many years, 10 years, that I didn't even cover up. Why? When's the last time it froze around here, right? And so then all of a sudden, ah, you know, death freeze is coming on us. Oh, my God. And so I'm thinking, holy cow, I got water out there. Oh, I got a water. Oh, I got one. And then I think, oh, okay, I'm through. No, I forgot about that one. You know, and, oh, gosh, what about that one? And, you know, where's the shutoff even for that water? You know, things like this. And so, you know, you may have experienced these things, too. And, you know, what's funny about it is, you see, We've been laxed because when I was a young man growing up on the ranch and all, man, I busted ice off water troughs all the time during the winter. And all of a sudden, we haven't been having cold like we had cold before. The earth's seasons change, you know. It's not global warming. It's just that the seasons changed. And, and, and but back then, I remember busting water off ice troughs all the time. I mean, water troughs all the time and, 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 and going through things and everybody be, I mean, being cautious about how we laid pipes and make sure they were deep enough and all this kind of stuff like this. And then all of a sudden we've gotten laxed. And I was up there wrapping pipes in the middle of the cold, trying to get things done. And the Holy Spirit just spoke to me, says, so what's happened to the church? He said, the church has been the same way. The churches for years, just everything's been rocking along pretty easy. We hadn't had any real hardships, hadn't had any real difficulties, hadn't had any real battles. Oh, yeah, individuals in their own lives have had different battles. But as the body of Christ, we haven't had any battles. And then all of a sudden, now we're into a situation where there's, you know, all kinds of craziness arising here and there. And the church doesn't know how to be the church. Church doesn't know how to fight. Church doesn't know how to war. Church doesn't know anything about spiritual warfare. Hadn't been taught. Things like that hadn't been taught. Pastors have been lazy. Pastors have been teaching messages on, on you know, cheap grace and, and, and how to become a millionaire and, and, 
messages like this, rather than that the church is in for persecution, the church needs to know how to endure persecution, the church needs to know how to endure hardship. You ever listen to, go read or listen, go, you can listen, I guess you could have listened to it if you've got a Bible that talks, but uh, read where the Apostle Paul is talking about, you know, he says, and, and I endured this hardship and this hardship and this hardship and this hardship, but God delivered me from them all. Well, it didn't mean that he didn't get delivered from the hardship, it just means he got out of it. He didn't die. They beat him with rods, but he didn't die. They stoned him, but he didn't die. He still was bruised up. You can't get stoned and not have some bruises left, right? And so the Apostle Paul, he was always praising God that he got delivered from the death that they wanted on him, but not delivered from the trial, right? He, wouldn't even, he never even prayed that. He never even thought about praying about that. But the American church has got to where they've been praying and spending all their time praying, Lord, deliver me from trials. But the Bible plainly says that trials is what brings endurance and what builds our faith and what strengthens us. That if you've never had to believe God for anything and seen him move and seen him uh, you know, bring a miracle about, well, then how can you have any strength and have any faith? He said, well, preacher, nobody wants to go to church and hear that. Well, that's why preachers haven't been preaching it. Right? They don't want to preach. They don't preach feel-good messages. Seeker-friendly messages. Just messages that make everybody feel good. You're okay. You're going. Hey, you're going. You're going to go to heaven. No problem. Yeah. And I'm just saying that it's been throwing this around. And so the church hasn't had to, had to have out, go out and have to wrap some pipes and a cold spell's coming. Hello? So my message today is I believe that the church... And what God is doing through this is when I say the church, I'm not talking about a building. I'm not talking about specifically living water. I'm talking about the body of Christ, the believers. Every person who is a believer in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a part of the church of God, right? Not a denomination church of God, the church of the living God, right? Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, you got what he's saying? All right. I'm not talking about denominations. I'm talking about salvation. Salvation is what makes the difference. If you're saved, you're in the body of Christ. All right? So I'm not talking about what flavor of ice cream you like and how you like to do this and that and the other. I'm talking about salvation. You're in the body of Christ. Now, those believers in the body of Christ, we've got to rise up. And we've got to become the warring army of God that we were always intended to be. Hello? Now, there's no better warrior in the Bible than David. No better warrior. Now, nobody else messed up as big as he did. Right? I mean, the dude sent Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, to the front wall to get killed so he could take his wife. That is pretty rotten. Okay? Yet, did I tell you where to go to your Bible? Acts 13.22. Acts 13, 22. I told you to get it out, but didn't tell you where to go. Acts 13, 22. It says, he's talking about the apostle, he's talking about Saul, and he says, and when he had removed him, he raised up for them David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. Do you know that God said that about David before he killed Uriah? He said that about David before he took Bathsheba. Oh, so God got it wrong when God looked down over the sons of Jesse and he could have picked Shammah and he could have picked all the, the big brothers of the good looking ones. 
the strong ones, the tall ones. God got it wrong and picked David because he messed up. No. God knew because he could look into his heart. God is a God that can see the end from the beginning. He says in John 15, Jesus said, man, I didn't choose you, but you chose me. Or you didn't choose me, but I chose you. Turn around. Or it's supposed to be. God chose you. Every one of you sitting here, all those of you out there listening and watching the broadcast today, I want you to understand something. God chose you and he already knows your heart. He already knows your heart from the end, from the beginning. He already knows who you are. And just like he said about David, he's a man after my own heart. You're chosen and called and called to be a Christian and called into salvation, called to be a, a son of God for a reason and a purpose. Amen. And God knows your heart. He knows you're going to make a mistake. He knows you're not perfect. But he wants to use you in your own way, in your own style, in your own method, in your own personality, in your own who you have been created to be. God wants to use you. Everybody say, God wants to use me. Come on, say it again like you mean it. God wants to use me. Now, if God could look at David and say, he's a man after my own heart who will do my will. He killed Uriah then what is God saying about you that he's already spilt the blood of his son on the cross for you, already poured the blood of the son out on the mercy seat, already poured out grace and mercy upon you? What's then God saying about you? So now hear me this morning. It's the devil's great tactic to come into you and to make you think that who are you and you don't have any abilities you're just a sinner. You're just whatever. He's going to try to always keep you down because he knows if you ever get fired up, then he's in trouble. Do you hear what I'm saying? That if you ever take prayer serious, hear what I'm saying? If you ever take prayer serious, like you're going to go sit down and pray and have a conversation with God because you know it's going to change something. See, what happens is the church has been praying for themselves and their surroundings to bring them comfort. I don't know about y'all. I do like comfort. I mean, you know, it's bottom line. I like, I'm glad I have heat in my house. Hello? I do enjoy comfort. I'm glad I had a warm coat. So I'm not anti-comfort, Right? I mean, you know, like, like over, the, over the, 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 the decades and the centuries, you know, there's been monks that have, have risen up with different orders. One, one order was that, you know, they felt like they needed to always be in discomfort in order so they could be praying properly. And so they got like, like wool uh, or hair coats, like camel's hair, whatever, and they wore them inside out with the hair on them. So it just scratched them all the time, you know, and just irritated them. So they thought they would be more holy by doing that. The one I always liked was the pillar saints. I don't know where they came up with this. They literally erected these tall pillars and they climbed up on top of these pillars and sat up just on that pillar, you know, not giving themselves much room to move. So they'd be attentive. So I says, if you fell asleep, fell off, kill yourself, right? You know, so they got to be attentive. So they'd be attentive and pray. But but what I'm saying is I'm not anti-comfort, but what I'm saying is I'm, I'm asking this morning and I'm, 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 I'm pleading actually because I feel it's the heart of God saying to us, where, where, where has our minds been thinking as Christians? 
Has it only been thinking about us and our, and I, have we spent all of our time in prayer just on our business, our work, our finances, our area, our little, this is all we're concerned about. Or have we truly been the good Samaritan who's praying for our neighbor? Have we been the person who's asking God to use us outside of our own surroundings. I believe God wants to prosper you. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to give you comfort because he says those things, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The word want there means to not decrease. God doesn't want you to decrease. God wants you to increase. I'm with you on that, okay? But what I'm saying is you're bigger than just praying for yourself. Y'all are bigger than that. If we want to change our area, change the environment of our area, it's going to take prayer. It's going to take focus. It's going to take effort. It's going to take, you know, time for you to rearrange your life to where you're taking time in prayer. And I mean not just a lay me down to sleep prayer, but a prayer being prayed in confidence from you because you know who you are in Christ. That you're a child of God, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. I remember this. I'll tell this story. Uh, my, my, uh, my brother-in-law was burned very badly in an accident and, uh, he was in the hospital and, 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 uh, he was burned all over and it was really bad and they didn't think he was going to live. And, and we got the call that said that, that there was really some things bad going wrong with him and they didn't think he was going to live. And so I remember I'd prayed, I'd prayed, I'd prayed, you know, just, just pray, just, you know, God helps on so blah, 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 you know, that kind of prayer like that. But I got my guitar and I sat down. I was right over here. There used to be a double wide mobile home over there with church parsonage words. And I was in there and I got in there and I got that, that guitar and I sat down and I started just playing a song to the Lord and I started just worshiping the Lord. And, and I was just playing and I specifically started praying for him and thinking about him and, and just, just playing my guitar and worshiping and praying. And all of a sudden, boop, I saw him in my mind. And my, like my mind's eye just, boop, just saw him. And I saw that there was like this, this yellow I don't know if it was an if it was infection or what, but I mean, I just saw this yellow on him, and the Lord spoke to me and said, "I want you to go to right now, go down there and pray for him." And I was like, "Oof." So I didn't know if I could get in. I went down there, had to go down to Bamsey's, went into Bamsey's into the burn unit. I'd never seen anything. I've never been so traumatized in my life of having to go in there. I mean, it was horrible, and uh, and so I, I I just could barely. I don't do very well in situations like that. And so I, I already coached myself up. I said, okay, just don't look at anything. You know, just try to breathe shallow. Don't smell nothing. Just try to get through. Just keep myself tunnel vision. Do not look to the left or the right. Well, I looked. And there was just horrible, you know, people in horrible situations all the way down there. You could see them. And, and anyway, I get into the place to where he's at. And he's just, I mean, he's laid out. And, and I mean, you know, it's terrible. And so they made me put on this suit. And I had to put on this suit and I started putting more stuff on me and I'm already starting to like hyperventilate and I'm, I'm getting claustrophobic in this suit and it's hot and I'm sweating and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, you better do something. I mean, this is horrible. And so I remember I walked in there and they said, you can't touch him. Don't you cannot touch him. And, and uh, you know, because of his skin. And uh, so I go in and I'm standing there and I'm standing over him. And so I just said, okay, well, nothing I can do but just give her the best go I got. And so, man, I just started praying, just prayed, prayed over him, just spoke over him, prayed over him, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then it was just like, oh, God, get me out of here. Oh, my Lord, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to faint. They're going to have to just drag me out of here any minute, you know. And so finally, 
I get through, I get the, the get out, get the garb off of me. I'm just panicked. I get running outside just to breathe air and get out of there. And I was like, God, I don't know how that could have done any good, but you know, you told me to do it. So I was obedient and I did it. And, uh, I mean, I felt nothing, folks. I want to be honest with you. I felt nothing. There was no feelings. There was no, you know, nothing. No fire shot out of me. No smoke blew. No nothing. I mean, it was all I could do to stand, literally, and not faint. And so get out in the car, go home. And then immediately he starts to recover and starts to recover and starts to recover and gets better and better and better and better. And finally gets out of the hospital, gets healed. And, uh, and of course, he had many more days of trauma to go through and all kinds of stuff, but he, he lived. And so... Years, years, years later, like 10 or 12 years later, one day he tells me, he said, you know, I know when you came in there and prayed for me. And I said, how could you know that you were in an induced coma? He said, I knew you came in there and prayed for me. And I knew when you prayed for me, I knew I was healed. Point is, there wasn't any faith in me. There was no great power in Robert. There was no great, there was no great nothing in, on my side. I could not attribute one thing to me except obedience to do what God told me to do. Well, if I wouldn't have sat, I thought about this a whole lot. If I wouldn't have sat down with that guitar and started playing and focused my attention, stopped what I was doing and focused my attention. I don't believe it had anything to do with playing the guitar. I don't believe it had anything to do with worship at that moment. I believe it had to do with sitting down, stopping, and listening to what God was saying. And what's, what I'm saying is the church has been going around and the church is doing a lot of murmuring and complaining and griping and, and, and mad at Biden and this and that and the other and this administration. We're doing this and da, da, da. There's a lot of talking going on, but ain't nobody doing no praying. Praying with authority, praying with prayers that tear down the kingdom of darkness. And what I believe God is about to do is God is about to stir people up. And I'm believing with this message today that God is going to begin to stir the body of Christ up, that we're going to begin to understand that who we are in Christ, and we're going to stand up, we're going to pray prayers and be directed in prayer to pray because we're going to stop and take time to pray. Amen? Now, a few things I wrote down here about David's life. One thing you see about David's life was God was the center of his life. Okay, God was the center of David's life. He was out with the sheep out there. He's worshiping God, writing songs. I mean, he wrote the Psalms. Not all of them, but three-fourths of them, okay? He wrote the Psalms. You can see his heart. Excuse me. You can see his heart. You can see his worship. You can see his love for God in the Psalms and what he wrote and what he prayed, all right? Because he was spending time with him. He also wasn't scared to share his intimate feelings with God. Like say Psalms 50, the 50s, all through the 50s, 50, 51, 52, 55, he's all sitting there praying saying, oh God, I'm a sinner, I'm rotten, I'm no good, I don't deserve anything, but oh Lord, this is my paraphrase, but oh Lord, I just thank you for your grace and you're so good to me and you're merciful to me and you know what, I've had this and that and my enemies are coming against me and I want to go kill them, but I thank you, Lord, you're going to take care. He just goes through this whole thing, he shares his intimate feelings. All right. You got to come to the place in life where you have confidence in God that you're not scared to sit around and talk to him about what you're feeling. The thing that I've always thought is interesting about Christians, and I've talked to a lot of people over the years that have told me this. It's like they think God doesn't know if they don't say it. And I'm like, if God knows the number of hairs on your head, I know he knows what's in your heart. So you might as well get it out. You're not hiding anything from you think you got the poker face while you're praying. Oh, God, I'm just fine. Everything's good. He knows your tails and he knows everything going on on the inside of you. So why are you sitting around messing around with that? Just go talk to him. Say, Lord, you know, I'm an idiot. You know what I was thinking? You know what I want to do? Help me, Jesus. Those are honest prayers that will get somewhere. Okay, but David also didn't just have a vision 
It was a reality to him. You know, like if you have a vision, you can dream something up. Like you, let's just say you have a vision for a, I don't know, a home, a house. Yo, this is, this is the house I would love. And you envision it and you see it and oh, it would have a porch like this. And oh, and you go somewhere. Somebody, oh, that's the kind of tile I like right there. I like that tile. Oh, I like those beams like that. I would like to have that like, oh, I'd like to have it like this and like that. And you envision it, right? But there's a different step when you take it to it's a reality. You know that it is yours. That's where faith is kicked in with the vision, and all of a sudden, it is yours. So when you're sitting down to pray, you're praying with authority because you know you're supposed to be there. You're not sitting there saying, God, I know I don't even deserve to be here. I don't deserve to eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table, Lord. I'm just like, I, I, I don't deserve to even nothing, you know, but Lord, I, I thank you that, you know, you, the, you know, preacher said that you do hear prayers and that you would answer a prayer. And so, you know, I'm here, Lord God, just can you do this for me, please? Like, I fully will expect when I get to heaven, if anything, if anything, God is going to chastise me for being too bold in the throne room. If I won't get in trouble over anything, it's going to be, Robert, you had no authority to do that. Sit down and be quiet. Because when I pray, I pray prayers like this. Father, I just thank you today and, and that I'm, I'm a son of God, and I'm born again washed in the blood of Jesus, and I have a right to be here. And so I tell you what, angels, what are y'all doing? Y'all haven't been doing your job? I mean, why aren't you moving in this, this area? I just loose angels get over there right now and get something going right here. We ain't going to put up with this, Lord, but righteousness has got to prevail. And I just thank you, Lord, you're going to arise right now in the name of Jesus. Those stupid, dumb people get to get their ears open right now. This is the kind of prayer I'm praying. He said, well, that doesn't sound very religious or very pious. Don't make me no difference to how I'm doing. If I was giving, if I was a CEO of a large company, that's the way I'd be running it. So if I'm going to be running my division of heaven, that's the way I'm running it. There ain't no sense in me pretending, oh, Father, who sitteth in the heavens, who rides upon the clouds, glory unto you. Now, he would just say, what are you doing? I mean, I'm in there. You, where's the devil? Get, where's that lying, filthy, no good devil? I tell you in the name of Jesus, you have no right. I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Go find your pig and jump in him. You say, well, that's not, you know. Well, well, you pray like you want to pray. I pray like I want to pray. And like I said, if I get to heaven and, and I'll, I'll be chastised for not being, having, uh, what's it called? Uh, now, what do you call it when, you, when you're having a business meeting in the I want to say Marcus of Queensbury rules, but that's boxing. What do you call it? Uh, procedural, proper. What, what's the name of that? FFA, we had to do it all the time. Parliamentary procedure. Having not proper parliamentary procedure in the throne room. That's what I'll be rebuked for. Okay? But I don't really care about that right now because I feel like I'm getting something done. Y'all with me? That's where we have to be. It has to become a reality to you. Your life with Christ, because he's the center of your life and who he is, it has to become a reality to you. You're not saying, well, this, uh, 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 no. And then the, the last thing is here is about David, you see, is that he knew there was more to this life than just this life. There was eternity. And that things had to, things, God was moving things into position because it affected eternity. All right. So let me give you a few scriptures here. Psalms 107.23 is the one you need to get in your heart. Psalms 107.23 and 24. It says, those who go down to the sea in ships who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. That's one of the scriptures 
that God gave me for my life that I quote all the time. I actually have a picture of a, of a, a, a sailing ship on the sea. And I look at that thing all the time and, and, and I say, Lord, you said those that go down to the sea and ships and will do business on great waters will see the wonders of the works and your mighty works in the deep. Because I want to tell you something. If you don't ever get out on the water, you're never going to see the business of the Lord. If you're not ever believing God for something, you're not ever going to see God moving in something. But you got to get out onto the waters and do business on the waters. Okay? You got to step out. Everybody say, I'm going to step out on the water. Because you have got to step out. If you don't step out and you don't do anything, nothing's going to happen. Look, if you're going to sit around and wait for the move of the Spirit upon you before you're going to do anything, folks, it ain't never going to happen. You're going to get more of a move to go eat ice cream than you're going to get a move to the Spirit of God just to, just to come upon you in prayer. Now, if you're in touch with the Lord and really in tune, yes, he can quicken you to go do that. But if you're just out there trying to get started in life, you're not just going to. I, I remember a person told me one time, I was talking to him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he said, well, if God wants you baptized in the Holy Spirit, he'll just baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I said, no, don't work that way. That's like saying, if God wants me to get saved, I'll just get saved. No, you have to make a profession of faith. You have to do something. You have to put your faith into it. You have to step out into it. You have to call upon him. Well, it's the same thing with you want to be a mighty person of prayer. Or do you want to be a mighty, uh, just, you just want to be who you are. Forget about saying a mighty person of prayer. Say, I don't want to be a mighty person. No, I just want to get through this life, get to the next one. Yeah, well, you're called for more than that, church. All of us are. I don't care who you are. You got saved. God chose you, brought you in here. He sees your heart, and we're chosen for more than that. So you got to get out on the water and do some business. All right? So, you know, how does this, how does this look, getting out on the water? Well, like I'm saying to you, most, most of everything I'm talking about this morning has to do with prayer. And so you... Getting out on the waters means you start taking time and you start setting aside time and you start being focused upon time and you start thinking about it. every time you're going down the road and you're just driving down the road, turn the radio off and pray. Have it in your coffee time, whatever time you want to do. You don't have to necessarily, you know, carve out all this time during the day. You just got to you just got to become focused on it and become available for him to be used to, for you to use your gifting in prayer. All right. The second thing here is 2 Timothy 1.12. I love this. The Apostle Paul says to Timothy, 2 Timothy 1.12, For this reason also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know in whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep what I've committed to him until that day. What if you didn't commit anything to him? And I believe and am persuaded that he's able to keep what I have committed he only is persuaded that he could keep what he's committed to him. What if you didn't commit anything to him? Is he going to keep it? Think about that for a minute. If you've committed your life to Christ and said, Jesus, you're, I'm your servant. I'm here. And I've committed that to you. Well, then he's going to keep you. But if you're like, yeah, you know, things go south. I won't, I won't talk to you, Lord. But in the meantime, I, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah, I'm all right. I don't, I don't even hear you breathing. 
I don't know. Just read it. I'm just I'm not trying to change the text. It's just what he says. I am not ashamed for I know in whom I have believed. I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed unto him until that day. So the apostle Paul says everything I've committed, I'm, I'm secure about. He's going to take care of it. Uh-oh, but if you're hanging on to it and you're trying to do it, that means it's not in the kept pile. So if I was you, I would make sure that your life and everything in your life has been kept by the Lord Jesus Christ. That you can quote Psalms 112 and say, the Lord is my keeper. That's how David did it. Jesus was, a, well, God was the center of his life. Is Jesus the center of your life? Does everything revolve around Jesus? When you're going to make a decision, have you asked him if he, you know, what his thoughts are? Then you start to know if he's the center of your life. If everything you're going to do, do you plan your day and then try to carve out a moment for him? Or have you sat down with him and planned out your day and you're just following it? Third thing, 2 Timothy again, 2.13 now, this is, Paul's got a whole bunch there, and I just took the 13th verse here. He says, if you are faithless, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. Look, <clears throat> you got to understand something. With or without you, God is going to have his way, and he's going to be successful. With or without you. But you see, if you love Jesus, and he is the center of your life, and you love him with all of your heart, and he is everything to you, then I would think that you would want to do as much for him as you possibly could in this life since he's done so much for you. But even if you remain faithless, he's still going to be faithful. So that's somebody you can put your trust in. God is going to succeed. God is going to win. Listen to me. All that's going on today, all that's going around, I just laugh because there are people literally thinking today that they are going to rule the United States with unrighteous means and they're going to get away with it. They're boasting about it. They laugh about it. They, they mock about it, that they've stolen the election and this, that, and the other, and, 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 and they think everything's just like no big deal, and they're going to get away with it. I'm telling you, they ain't going to get away with nothing. Because there is a God in the kingdom of heaven that has total and complete authority. And there may be some finger writing on the White House wall going on there with God moving in the middle of it. But God is in charge, and I'm on his side, and I'm only going to stay on his side. Are you all with me? He's going to win. He's going to rule. I already read the end of the book. There isn't really any big play for the end uh, like the devil has a chance. Are you all with me? It's not like, you know, that there's still, that the prediction's still out. They've got the odds that God wins, but we're not sure. Hello? It's not in there like that. No, 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 no. There isn't even a chance the devil's going to pull anything off. He's going to lose. He's going to be thrown into the lake of fire. And all unrighteousness and all unrighteous ways and all unrighteous people, they're going with him. And that's just the end of the story. And, and, and God wins. Well, I want to be on the winning side. And I don't want to just be a bench warmer. I'm like, put me in, coach. Come on. Are you all with me? So I trust him that even if I'm faithless or I can't believe he's still faithful so that it's still going. All I got to do is pull my boots back on and get back in the game. The next thing, the fourth thing, Colossians 127. 
Colossians 1, 27 says, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Everybody say, Christ in me. The moment you got saved, the moment you committed your life to him, Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, his spirit came to live on the inside of you. Now, my goodness gracious, if God is on the inside of you, then why are you letting the devil talk you out of everything? Why are you letting the devil torment you? Why are you letting the devil oppress you? Why are you letting the devil make you think you can't do anything if God is on the inside of you? I'll tell you why. Because we're a people that have to see it before we believe it. You don't see anything in you. I remember one time I was over preaching with my brother-in-law in the jail. And uh, he had a bigger pot belly than me. And uh, we were in the, sitting in front of the cells preaching and, and talking to this girl. And I was talking about the Spirit of God living and dwell on the inside of you. And I looked over at him and I said, you see, but some people like him, see, he has more of the Spirit in him. And I rubbed his belly than I do. And she said, really? Full up, overflowing. But I can tell y'all, and listen to me, everyone out there. I know the day that Jesus Christ came to live on the inside of me when I gave my heart to him. I know things changed because I know it inside of me. I know I'm different inside of me. My whole life changed, my, changed the whole course of my direction of my whole life to, see, to serve Christ. Because something happened on the inside of me. And if you're out there watching or if you're in here and you don't know that, then I want to tell you something. You may need to rededicate your life to Christ. And you may need to start calling out upon him. And the Bible's pretty plain. It says if you do ask Jesus to come and live on the inside of you and forgive you of your sins, he will. Because his blood's been poured out and shed over this world for you and by grace to be saved. But you have to ask him to come into your life. And it's right there, right there in your home, right here, right now. You don't have to have, it doesn't have to be any special altar call. It doesn't have to be anything like that. If you're calling seriously from the, from the, the sincere faith of your heart, Jesus has touched you right there. And then you know something happened on the inside of you. And there's a lot of Christians going around that they joined a church. They got a piece of paper, but they don't know down here that Jesus Christ is the Lord of their life because they don't know Christ is in them. Folks, that's what we have to know. And we have to make sure that all of those around us know We've got to become the greatest evangelist there ever has been. And I believe with all of my heart that God is about to just anoint us, or I don't know how you want to say this. I don't even like using the verbiage because I don't know which is, you know. But God's about to stir his people and make his, his Christians rise up where you're just going to be sitting at a table drinking coffee with somebody and just be able to look at them and say, Are, do you know Jesus? And then things are going to happen. But you got to be willing to be that person that would be bold enough to step out there because you trust in him. Because you know him to say, you know, you don't have to look at the person and say, you know, hell is hot and sin ain't right. Right? You don't have to say, you know, hell, we ain't going to burn, buddy, you better turn. No. You just got to know what Jesus is telling you to do. Everybody in its own way. But you got to let Christ be formed in you. He's in you, but you got to let him form in you. Take over your whole being. Take over your thought process. Take over your response process. Take over everything. And the last thing, 2 Timothy 3.16. 2 Timothy 3.16. You're going to say, Pastor, you sound like a broken record. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So much of the word of God we got that we have came from David. Okay, when you read the Psalms, right? Now, isn't it interesting? Think of this process that here's this man out there tending sheep with his heart, worshiping God, writing songs down. He's just a prolific songwriter. Writes them all down. That's what the Psalms are. They're songs. He wrote all these things down, all right? He had no idea at that time that they were going to begin to be published in the Bible. Y'all following me? And then all of a sudden, he gets quoted. He gets talked about. He gets all of his, his music got written in the Bible for us to read. And people all over have read Psalms 23. Let's just take that one. I mean, Psalms 23 is like John 3:16. Almost everybody knows Psalms 23. And he wrote this one day. I mean, I don't know what was going on. The Bible didn't tell us. Right? But David wrote it one day. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. But I can see him out there with the sheep and seeing the sheep grazing along. And everybody that, that you, you have animals, you know, you know, green pastures are good. Hello? Still waters are good. And so David's singing what he's experiencing. That's what I said a while ago. God speaks to you in your experiences. And then we take that and, and, and we find comfort in it. We find inspiration in what he said because it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So he writes this song inspired by the Holy Spirit. It gets carried down through the ages, comes into us. Somebody today can read it and they get oh, revelation from it. Because it's the inspired word of God. It, it, it's changing. It changed David when he wrote it. And it's changed countless others throughout eternity. Are y'all following me here? So that's why he says the scriptures, is, it's inspired by God. The inspired scripture of God. It does something to you. It helps Christ form in you and helps the Holy Ghost make and, br and bring about everything of who you are in Christ. And I can just tell you, as I said so many times, if you are not reading the word, if you are not following the plan and going through and reading in the book of Mark this one, because you finished the book of Matthew and you're not reading, you're not getting inspiration. You're not getting the life flow of God in you. Are y'all with me? Let me give you an example of that. Okay. If you have a solar panel and you have it hooked up to where it's going to charge a battery, do you know that the solar panel only works if the sun is shining? Revelation. You can take a solar panel. Let's just go like this. You can take a solar panel and you can get a 100 watt solar panel and you can put it on and up and hook the whole thing up and, and hook it up to the battery and it should technically charge a 12 volt battery. Okay. But you can stick it under the barn where it gets no sun and it will not charge a battery. And you can go buy a 200, a 300, a 400, a 500. You can hook a, you can hook a thousand watt of panels all in a series and hook them up to that battery and stick them underneath the barn. And you know what? It won't work. So here we go. You can take the Bible and you can buy a Bible and you can take it home and put it on your desk, on your table, and it will not charge your battery. So you say, well, that's not working. 
I'm going to buy another one. And you can stack those Bibles all up over your table to charge your battery. And it ain't going to do it until you open it up and let the Son of God come into you and begin to charge your battery. There's no other way. You're not going to get it. Well, I don't like to read. Well, you want the solar panel to charge your battery without a cord. There's no excuse. I'm telling you, there's no excuse for not reading your Bible every day. Something going here to let the Son of God charge your batteries. Speak to you. Form Christ in you and get you to the, to the full charge we need to be. And we Christian, Christians have just been walking around with just enough power to keep us alive and to whine. And we're sitting around, why is this happening? Why are they doing this? Why are this happening? When it's time we need to rise up at the table, the authority of God beat the war drums and say, man, Lord, I tell you what, it's time to get going. Let's go. I rebuke every devil in hell. You're not going to win. You're not going to destroy America. You're not going to destroy families. You're not going to steal from people. You're not going to lie to people. You're not going to kill babies. You're not going to steal guns. You're not going to do all this kind of stuff. I'm telling you what, we are America. We are founded by God. We're going to stand here. Where's the Christians praying that? Nah, I can't believe he did this. Oh, they're just doing this. Oh, he did that because they're going to do this. But nobody doing any praying. Nobody ain't going to do any commanding at the throne of God. Well, I don't know if God's going to do anything. Well, you ought to know. There's a few things, you know, like I can't tell you when the rapture is going to take place because this is only the Father knows. All right? And beware of anybody that tells you that. But I certainly know the things, the basic principles of God. I certainly know what is a basic principle of godliness. Like I've always, there's just certain things that I just have always can't figure out. Like, and I'm going to get in trouble over this one, but I don't care. Like the doctrine that churches came up with and pushed so hard upon young men that they should not have long hair. While they had a picture of Jesus hanging in the foyer with long hair. Now, if they would have got a picture of Jesus with a buzz, you know, or a flat top. And that's who they had sitting in front of them. Well, then I could see that. But you can't say, no, you need to do this when they have Jesus over there in long hair. Do you just see the stupidity of that? I don't know how long Jesus' hair was. You say, well, it was a, that was the times and these are different. But it doesn't make any difference because you pick something that's not worth fighting over. I'm talking about the things that make for godliness. They're obvious. They're evident within the Bible. Just find them and do them. But see, people don't want to do that. People today want to do what they want to do, and they just want to be sanctioned to do it. Bottom line is we want to eat what we want to do with. We want to sleep with whatever we want to sleep with. We want to do whatever we want to and just want the pharmaceuticals to make a pill that we can take so that'll keep us from getting sick from doing it. I'm preaching good. I was, got stirred up last night, screaming at the television. There was a commercial on it, and I was just like, if you didn't do that, you wouldn't need the pill. Stop doing it. It says in here, don't. And that's the clean version, I told you, not what I screamed at the TV. My wife said, Robert. But you hear what I'm saying, church? So what I'm, I'm asking you all to do as a church, as a body of Christ here, uh, stir yourself up, man. Start letting Christ be formed on the inside of you. I believe right now, listen, don't wait for me to have the prayer meeting to get 
y'all lined up to pray. Don't let me have to do this. No, you be the people who are letting Christ be formed in you that you are praying. Have your homes out there. If you're out there and you have a house, bring somebody to your home, sit them down and watch this program together and then minister to them. Ooh, what a novel idea. I think that started in Acts chapter 2 in home churches. Folks, what, what, why, does it, why, does it, why do I have to have the program? Why does the church have to develop the program for you to be a Christian? Well, preacher, he doesn't have any very, really good courses on how to pray. So I don't know how to pray. That's no excuse. It's no excuse. My lack of ability to pastor is not your excuse. So you don't have to do anything. I'd go to prayer meeting. Pastor had had one. Wow. And so maybe there's somebody called and anointed to take you and hold your hand and, 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 and say, okay, now this is a Bible. This is a book. We open it. This is how you turn it. These are words. Here, put your finger down by this word and follow it now. The Lord. Yeah, you're doing good. Maybe there is somebody out there called to do that for you. And that may be your ministry. It's not me. But Somebody. Are y'all with me here? Come on. Don't get mad at me. I'm just preaching good. It's time for the church to rise up. It's time for everybody out there that's watching the program. I mean, I mean, the, 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 the waterhole broadcast, if nothing else, should be the most viewed thing in South Texas because everybody that's here should be sending it to everybody else. You need to listen to this program. Just, I mean, all you have to do is even I can do it. That's an amazing thing and I can do it. Just push the little share and send it. At least you're evangelizing somehow or getting this broadcast out there. I mean, we should be the greatest evangelist there ever was in this day and time. The greatest prayer warriors. The devil should just fear when you get up every morning. Oh, my gosh, I hope they don't pray. Or you'd be like me. I didn't sleep well last night, so I was praying all night. It's okay. When I woke up this morning, man, it was gone. There's no devils around. They scared from last night. Amen. Amen. So you can do it. I know you can do it. The church is going to rise up. God's going to do something glorious here. You're a part of it because he chose you. Stick with it. Amen. Amen. Well, put your Bibles up and stand up if you would. If we have a prayer team, y'all come down. There's not many of us here today, but if you're here today on the prayer team, come on down to to pray with those people. Be careful when you're leaving. Uh, Dwayne just told me there's a little bit of moisture outside. Uh, Walk like like you have good sense in a snowstorm or, or it's maybe some patches. We put some stuff down to keep it from being icy, but uh, just be careful. Uh, this morning I went out and uh, walked out one side of my house and it was dry and, and it wasn't anything. Then I went out the other side and man, it was the Holy Ghost. I started to take a step and I went down there and my toe touched that rock and I, and it was, I felt it slip and I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And then I got my foot and it, man, it was froze over. I would have, I wouldn't have been here this morning. I still met the house repenting for everything I said when I hit the ground. But I, I tell you what, it was ugly. So be careful. Watch what you're doing. I, 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 I want to ask you, all since we're getting since I preached on prayer, let's go believe that the temperatures little rises. You know, let's don't let's I don't like listening to forecasts. I, I think if, if Joshua could pray, and the sun stood still, we ought to be able to gain 10 or 15 degrees. I, I would think that we ought to be able to pray that up. 
And so uh, let's pray about that. Pray for because really we're, we're not hurt as much here as it is, has been just north of even uh, I-10. They're in some real trouble up there. And so let's just be praying about that. Amen. So let me just pray for you. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name, this is the great church of Living Waters Church. And Lord, we're not signing off right now because we're going to be with you forever. I just declare these are the greatest prayer warriors ever on the face of the earth. I declare the army of God is arising here. I declare the body of Christ is rising up and shaking, beating the war drums and getting ready to go out, Lord God, and attack and everything in this world. I declare that, Lord, we're going to plunder hell and populate heaven. We're going to see souls come into the kingdom, Lord. People are going to be blessed from the north, the south, the east, and the west, everywhere they go. And so, Lord, I just thank you for blessing them, showing them, inspiring them, Lord, as they let Christ be formed in them. Lord, as they let Christ be formed in them, great and mighty things are going to happen. So, Lord, I praise you for it. Bless all those that are at the broadcast. Bless everybody, Lord God. And we just thank you for raising the temperature, Lord, and showing your goodness upon us, Lord, in this land. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church.